I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, McKelly Abera. McKelly, what's up? Well, I hate you, but for the rest, everything is fine. <laughs> How dare you send me beautiful images of, of sea, sand, bitches? Like, it was awesome, and I was working. So oh, is this I a, kind of deserve it, but... Um, a little payback is all it is. Don't 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 worry about yeah. that. <laughs> no, it's great be, being able to go on vacation and having the podcast taken care of and being able to be off my other job for a little bit it was it was nice to get away i feel recharged ready to go ready to talk about frank nilakina wow we are we are rock bottoming right <laughs> yeah this is september 16th uh training camp is about two weeks away uh so uh-huh. yeah two weeks from today i will be at media day i will be crafting a new down to dunk intro uh cursing some other players right because that's what the down to dunk intro is all about um but yeah it's 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 coming and until then there's not a lot to talk about uh but frank nilakina did have a good uh a good fiba tournament and Mm -hmm. looked good against the u.s as he hit some pretty big time shots to knock the united states uh out of contention for a medal uh so i He's a guy that's been made available in trades in the past. Uh, he's a very much a Thunder guy and that he has really long arms. He's an athletic guard, and he just can't shoot it. And so uh, I think he, he bears talking about some. And obviously this is not a guy that's going to step in and be a starter. He's not even – he's a guy that's a project, really. And he's still really young. I don't even – I need to look up and see how old he is because there's – he hasn't been in the league very long, and he came in as one of the youngest guys in that draft. Uh, but your thoughts on Frank Nilakina and his and his uh, tournament play? Um, he's the same. He's the same age as uh, Terrence Ferguson, so yeah. barely twenty-one. Yep. Um, I mean. When you started the hype train in our group chat, uh, <laughs> when I, started, I okay, well, keep going. Well, it was kind of a kind of a hype train. Yeah. Um, I mean, I decided to look back into a few um, New York Knicks games, and one of the games that I saw was uh, Nilkina against Denver, mm-hmm. where he had like one of the best games in terms of effective uh, field goal on offense. And I remember a video uh, of some draft analyst. I don't remember who. Uh, NBA analyst, I don't remember who, who was discussing Nilekina's defense. And, I mean, I watched that game, and, and he completely overmatched Monty Morris. Like, it was not even close. Uh, the guy couldn't dribble against him. So, and, and Monty Morris is a good player. He's a good backup. So this is what I'm trying to say here, that there is material in, in Frank Nilekina to have a very good defensive point guard that can maybe come off the bench and be your Sean Livingston kind of a guy, mm-hmm. like a guy that can play defense, uh, that can do some stuff on offense, uh, maybe not others. And there's something about his shot that is really encouraging. Like, Frank is a 77% free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. This is not an under Robertson territory, nor is Hamidou Diallo territory. Mm-hmm. This is like being a very good, like good, not very good free throw shooter, which usually tells you something about your shot. Uh, granted, Russell Westbrook never shoots like the three great, and he was a great three, uh, free throw shooter, but at least it, it was decent. You could see like a development there uh, in his shot. So there is some material there. And defensively, he has very good instincts, very good length, very good uh, IQ, I think. Um, and it was nice to see him being aggressive on offense. I think that for a player 
uh, it's not always easy to be in a losing environment and trying to take control of uh, of the team. Like Alonso Trier did that by taking whatever, whatever shot he, he wanted. I mean, maybe Ntilikina is not that guy. Uh, and for those guys, it's easy to look horrible in a losing environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe if you if you take Trier and you put it uh, in the Clippers or uh, in the Thunder or or in a in a good team, maybe he is kind of useless because he takes the shot that you don't want him to take and he doesn't do the things that Frank is doing on the court. So I think there is something to work on there. Uh, the reason the, the the argument to me the the interesting question is, uh, what is the a fair price? For, yeah. for Antilikina. And that is something, I think, quite hard to um, to understand. I mean, at least for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a price on Nilikina is difficult because, I mean, the Thunder have 15 first-round picks in the next seven years, and they're going to be using some of these picks not only to take guys in the draft, but they're going to use it to trade for guys. I don't think Nilikina warrants a first-round pick at this point in his career. I mean, he didn't play all that much for the Knicks last year. You look at his stats, and they're really underwhelming. Uh, but the truth is that Frank Nilakina, it's he's not gonna, he may not be a guy that puts up a ton of stats, but he could be a winning type of player for you, a guy that can come in and play good defense if he can work on his shot. Even if not, the Thunder have proven that they know how to use guys in ways that don't know how to shoot, but use them to their maximum effectiveness. I mean, you look at Andre Robertson. Would Andre Robertson be who he is on every single team? Would every team know and even want to use him like the Thunder did? I don't know I don't know the answer to that. And I think Dre's was an incredible player for the Thunder. But, like, you look at Nilakina's stats, he was 33% from the field last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 28% from three, 76% from the free throw line. Like, there's just no way that you're spending a first-round pick on this guy. There's just no way. No. Um, and so then you have to figure what kind of second-round pick could he warrant. Like, does, is, the, is the Memphis pick that the Thunder acquired uh, in the Baisley trade enough? It doesn't feel like enough. It doesn't feel like something. It's, it's pretty far in the future. You don't really know what Memphis will be in three years or whatever. whenever that pick conveys. I don't know, but then you also have to like you have to get to his salary. He makes only almost five million dollars this year, so it's not like he's on mm-hmm. this like tiny minimum deal. I mean, you you couldn't trade Ferguson straight up for him. I don't think. I don't think that no, New York has no doesn't work. So, I mean, that's another challenge there. And to me, like the only way to really make it happen, and I think this actually would make some sense for both teams, is if. They were willing to take on Dennis Schroeder. And you mm-hmm. traded Schroeder uh, for Nilakina and one of their 10-ish million dollar salaries, like a Todd Gibson. Like, what, what are the Knicks doing with Todd Gibson in the next two years? Probably not a whole lot. And so, basically, you could trade Todd Gibson and Nilakina. This is after December 15th, uh, for Dennis Schroeder. And... The Knicks then get a point guard that can actually play, and maybe maybe they wouldn't do that because they want to play Dennis Smith and see uh, what he is. But uh, his stats were not impressive last year either, and so yeah, he's. I think Schroeder is. He's. You don't get excited if he's your starting point guard, and I get that. But he's at least a proven professional, and Dennis Smith is not that. And Nilakina is not that. And so I think it's at least an interesting conversation. And maybe you throw in that second-round pick because you're getting the, the a younger player. But maybe you don't even have to, you know? Maybe you don't have to. Maybe the Knicks are just looking for some stability. And I think that, you know, Schroeder is going to provide that a lot more than, than what they have now. Yeah, you look at uh, Dennis Smith. He shot 41% from the field, 28% from three on five attempts per game. Uh, This is while he was with New York. He's 56% from the free throw line in his games in New York. He's a 66% free throw shooter overall. 
He scored 18 points yeah. on 17, 18.5 points on 17.6 shots per game. Yeah, it means like at least 22 possession uh, used for for shooting, like for shooting purposes, like not yeah. counting turnovers. This is, this is like quite bad, like horribly bad, I would say. Yeah, he's a volume scorer that is completely inefficient, and yeah. I mean. He's still 21, so it's not like his career is over. <laughs> I think that he mm-hmm. could have a, a decently long career in the NBA. But if you can't do something with an with effectiveness, like get on the break or get in the paint or do something as a point guard, and you're supposed to be a scorer, like he scored 18 points per game, that's pretty good. But when you're taking when it takes 17 shots to get there, that's just not good enough. That's just not good enough to yeah. be a starting level point guard in the NBA, and maybe, maybe he's just a, a guy that comes off the bench and is kind of a spark plug guy off the bench. Maybe, maybe that's what he turns into. Um, but overall, like, I don't know if the Knicks would be interested in a trade like that. But if if you're the Thunder and you can basically swap out Schroeder for a chance to, you know, see what Nilakina has got, like I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, and on the top of that, since you have, basically the Knicks have a gazillion contracts with um, second year being a player option, and I think I remember um, Tash Gibson contract being one of them, mm-hmm. uh, you can you can trade Schroeder plus second round pick for Tash Gibson or like, I don't know, even Alfred Payton or guys like that mm-hmm. uh, I think that with Peyton works as well uh, and you get back to Ligina and to just just try out but the, the good part is this gives you the benefit of an extra an extra um, salary cap flexibility next year because you, you basically shed all of um, Danny Schroeder's salary that's why I don't think the Knicks are going to do it because mm-hmm. it it will put 15 millions in their uh, cap for the future, and I don't know if this is something that they want to do. Uh, but maybe yes. I don't know. I mean, uh, as you said, I mean their point guard, point guard situation is quite terrible, and so maybe having a competent player there um, would would help them. Um, but yeah, I mean something like that. I I don't want to trade a piece like not even maybe Diallo, which I mean. You can if 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 it comes to Diallo, probably you do it. But uh, if you can avoid that, then it's um, it's better. Maybe you can do a trade where uh, New York gets another player uh, in a trade for Gallinari. Mm-hmm. You, you trade Gallinari for some sort of package, uh, and New York gets whatever trade piece OKC doesn't want and you get into Lekina, um somehow. This is something that OKC can do as well without moving shorter salary because, I mean, again, uh, there are concern, there are issues about uh, his salary going forward. But yeah, I mean, I think that you can do uh, stuff like that. And I also think that we spent too much time discussing Tilekina trades. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's, in my book, there's not ever enough time to discuss it so this is this is our time this is my time right yeah. now to discuss Frank Nilakina's <laughs> <Yeah>, traits <laughs> no I mean right. no I mean and I'm just I, to me this is not only about Frank Nilakina. this is a, like a larger yeah. discussion about the Thunder and what they need to do to get better because they have these pieces and you can look up and down the roster it's Gallinari it's Schroeder it's Robertson that it's even Nerlens Noel, maybe even Mike Muscala to some point, these veterans that will hold some value to somebody else. And yeah. the question on the other end is what do these other teams have that they'd be willing to give up for these guys? Because, I mean, you look... I mean, Gallinari is going to hold a lot of value, so I think you can remove him from that list. But you look at Schroeder, you look at Robertson, you look at Noel, you look at Muscala. Like, what kind of value do they actually have? And I think... I don't know. I don't know exactly what value they have to other teams, but I think that you could you could talk yourself into a guy at the level of a Frank Nilakina being coming back to the Thunder, a guy that's basically on his this is his second chance to make it in yeah. the league. Uh, you're not going to get a guy that that is really good from from somebody. You're just not like Mitchell Robinson won't be on the table when the Thunder talk to the no. Knicks. No, no, no. You know so. 
it's you're not going to get guys that are at a high level. And I know people, oh, I'm not excited about Frank Nilakina. Like, I get that. But also, like, who's excited about Dennis Schroeder? Who's excited to bring Andre Robertson onto their team? Who's excited to bring Mike Muscala onto their team? Like, they're not. But Apparently, Mike's, Sam Presti, but... I mean, Apparently, I, Sam I Presti know. is... Right. But, like, Mike Muscala, they got... What did they get? A second-round pick for him last season? The, yeah, the 76ers? Yeah, probably. I think they. Yeah, probably I, I think so. they. I, I think that they may have even gotten two second round picks for him. So I mm-hmm. mean, you've got. You, there's some value there. He's a big man that can shoot it, and if he can perform well, he's going to have a chance to play as the backup four, I would assume. Uh, and so he's going to have a chance to play, and he's going to play some minutes for the Thunder. And maybe you can build up his value. Maybe you can build up the value of an Andre Robertson if he can come back healthy. So to me, it's it's. Obviously, it's about Frank, but it's also about like the Thunder moving forward. Like we need to think of these guys as trade chips, and what teams would they hold value to, and what do these teams have that maybe guys that maybe they undervalue that the Thunder could maybe use or try to develop. Um, maybe somebody that needs a different uh, set of circumstances to become a better player. Uh, that's kind of the mindset behind this. It's not only about Frank. So. Uh, you know, you know what else is awesome, like Frank Nilakina. Is it about photography? It is. It's Peyton Marie photography. You got to go follow uh, Peyton at Peyton Marie Photo on Instagram. Great Instagram follow, and then her website is PeytonMarie.com. She is an Oklahoma-based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Her photography style is non-traditional, genuine, and a bit out of the box. She believes your photos should be a true reflection of who you are and that your wedding photos shouldn't look like anybody else's. She's based in OKC, but she would love to travel anywhere else if you would like her to come and take your photos. So, again, 10% off. This is a down-to-dunk exclusive. So, please, contact her if you need, if you have wedding photo needs, and she'll give you 10% off if you book a package in 2019. So you're running out of time, guys. If you're getting married, give Peyton a call uh, and let her know uh, that you would like her to take your wedding photos because she's amazing. So PeytonMarie.com and at PeytonMariePhoto on Instagram. Okay, McKelly. I, uh, I was gone last week. I was on the radio once last week talking about Kevin Durant, but I was not on either of the podcasts that I that I frequent. Talking about Kevin, talking about his Wall Street Journal article. I know everything has been said, um, and I know you haven't had a chance to, to talk about it either. Is there any kind of additional or overarching thoughts that you had on what what Kevin had to say? Well, it mostly it is mostly sadness, like not sadness for like to hear those things, sadness to hear Kevin saying those things and believing that those things are true. Like mm-hmm. it's it's sad for the for the for him as a historic Oklahoma City player because I mean he he was uh, as Alex uh, Spear said I think yesterday on Twitter he he is probably the best player OKC ever had in terms of talent, in terms of achievement, in terms of, uh, I don't know, pure talent, whatever. Yeah. And, and he was beloved by the organization at the point that there are plenty of rumors that he told everyone that he was, was staying and that jeopardized basically the entire strategy of Oklahoma City of that year. And even after that, um, there wasn't a bad word. There wasn't like any allusion to like being in bad terms. And now out of the blue, he's saying such things like for no reasons, because no one <laughs> propelled that. No one asked you to to uh, to trash Oklahoma City in any in any terms. Like no one is discussing the trade, the, the you leaving anymore. It's it's about the, your injury. It's about like. There was, there were even messages of, like, I mean, I remember me thinking, like, I'm sad that KD got hurt and that they lost and that uh, they lost because of that, and now his career is probably over, for like, or can be over. And, like, I was genuinely sad for him, and now this, like, I, I don't really understand it from a psychological point of view. Like, what, what are you trying to prove? What are you trying to do? 
where are you going in terms of your feelings about about you being like one of the best players that touch it um the Chesapeake Arena floor I mean I, I don't really know it's not. I guess it's, it can't be surprising at this point that Kevin would say something that's not true or that, that is just ridiculous. It, to me, it's him trying to cover his own tracks kind of deal. I mean, he had mm-hmm. to trash the Warriors on his way out. He had to go back and trash the Thunder again. Like he's trying to justify his move to uh, Brooklyn. To me, is what is is his mission, and mm-hmm. he is. And I think this is the best way. I think Royce and other people have said this. He's the most unreliable narrator of his own story because he continues to say things that contradict it. I mean, on CJ McCollum's podcast, he said that Oklahoma City was home. He came back to Nick Collison's jersey retirement and was glad to do that. And you don't think he talked to Thunder staffers? He sat in the Thunder suite. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that, it's it's an absolute joke. And to think that the Thunder treat their players poorly and treat people poorly. The Thunder traded Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets. Like, are you joking me? Like, you got to be kidding. They, they traded Paul George to the Clippers. They treat yeah. their players right. They do what's right by their guys. And they're not holding anybody against their will. They're not treating anybody poorly. Sam Presti doesn't treat people poorly. That's not a thing that he does. It's a thing that Kevin's done. And to put that off on somebody else is a joke. It's an absolute joke. All of the stuff that he said. And he, I I mean, it's just a, it's crazy to me that he is, Labeling like the shooting his jersey and lighting his jersey on fire and the way that he was treated when he came back to Oklahoma City. And I tweeted this. It's just a complete lack of understanding of what who he was here, even of himself when he was here, and of what he meant to the city and what he meant to these people. I mean, he thinks that, oh, I, and this, is, I, this has to be what people tell him, is that you just changed teams. I don't know why these people are so mad at you. You're just playing for a different basketball team. And when you put it that way, yeah, it makes everybody here sound crazy. It makes me sound crazy. You know, it makes me look like a crazy person right now saying all this stuff. But that's just not the case. That's not like how the NBA functions. That's not how these teams function. That's not how the NBA works with their fans. And he knows that. He knows how much he meant. Yeah. The dude cried up to his mother at the on the podium for the MVP speech. And people still say, you're the real MVP. I mean, the dude was crying. Like, you're not just switching teams. You're not just playing for a team. I mean, he cried and said that he'd run through a wall for Russell Westbrook. He's, I mean, he's the one who said all these things. And then to think that you yeah. could just completely detach your emotion because some guy just wanted to change teams. That's not what happened, Kevin. You didn't just change teams. You went to the team that beat the Thunder in the playoffs. You went to the team that didn't need you. And you found out the hard way that it wasn't that it was the team that didn't need him. And his legacy is going to pay for that because he decided to do that. And it it's to me it's just crazy that he tries to push all this off on everybody else like he's never done anything wrong. Man, it's, I just I just don't know who can help Kevin at this point if he's going to be like this and he's going to say that he's not going to be attached to Oklahoma City ever again. To me, it just shows that Kevin's in a really bad place. Like he's in a bad, yeah. bad place. That not only would he say those things, but he'd say them on the record. Like imagine what he's saying off the record. Like to me, it just shows he's in a bad place. Like he should be able to look back at what he did in Oklahoma City fondly, despite what fans did or said or whatever you know and there, there's fans that need to be held accountable the guy that shot the jersey yeah you need to be held accountable because that's that's super crazy like that's that's out of this world crazy like that dude needs to be in trouble like burning a jersey like that's just stupid like you're just being an idiot you know but the people that booed him inside the arena the people that called him a cupcake the guy that dressed his kid up in a cupcake costume like that's sports. This is fun. I mean, that's it's sports. It's, it's fun it's, smoking. Yeah, like. it's sports fandom, and so like all that stuff, you can't, you cannot have your feelings hurt three years later about that. I'm sorry, Kevin. Like you're not allowed. You're not allowed to. 
because what, what you did is, is so much worse. So we don't have to expend yeah. a lot of more energy on him, but he's in a bad – he's just, to me, all of that signals he's in a bad place and that he basically, like, throws Steve Kerr under the bus. Like, he's in a bad place. Like, Steve Kerr is an incredible person, an incredible coach, and to throw him under the bus, too, it's just like, give me a break, man. Like, get over it. Like, get over yourself. And he's apparently to, and Luke said this, and I think this is true. You're t- he's just surrounding himself with people that are yes men that are going to say whatever they can to make him feel better, and it's shaping his worldview. It's shaping how he behaves, and it's not a good thing for him, his persona, and the way that he conveys himself to the world around him. Yeah, there is also a childish uh, kind of uh, thing in, in saying those those stuff out loud, like. Uh, it, it's. I remember when I was uh, a little little kid. I was maybe five, six. Uh, I barely remember. I vaguely remember this. But I mean, I, I know that every one of us, maybe w- one day of, of his life, thought, well, while, while I'm going to sleep, uh, I, I don't feel very sleepy, and so I, I watched the clock like 20 times to say, well, see, I'm not sleeping, and you are. You're basically the reason why your behavior is the reason why you're not sleeping, but you're trying to proving something. And so, Kevin, the, the, the analogy, maybe it's not clear, but the analogy is Kevin is trying to press a response in Oklahoma City and see, and, and like, if the response is bad, like Preston says something or the fandom, uh, the, the fans basically trash him, then he can say, well, can you see that? I'm right. I'm right. Like, it's a very childish approach. And the same thing goes with his decision to play uh, in game six for Golden State. Uh, he tried to play, and once the decision ended up badly, now is some like someone else's fault, not yours. Like, this is being a child and not an adult about your stuff. Like, I do think, I do believe that Kevin really regretted his decision to leave OKC. The second he signed it, and then he tried to convince himself, like, maybe if I win a title, maybe if I win two titles, maybe if I do something, like, exceptional. Guess what? You, you won two titles. You didn't do anything exceptional, like two titles. Like, a lot of franchises did, did that. And, and now you're left with nothing, basically. You don't have a family there, like a family of, like, co-workers there. You trash everything in OKC. You destroyed what OKC could be. And now what? You're in Brooklyn, injured with no like basketball future in the next 10 months like it's hard mm. and now you're trying to do the playing game i think which is again uh, something that i expect from my five-year-old probably maybe even <laughs> even like i don't know uh elementary school middle school early high school but then then you can stop it mm-hmm. <laughs> you should stop it you should face your problem like and, and i mean this is me reasoning as a parent uh and as an adult like uh, you 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 really need to be able to say well you know what okay see i screw up yeah. i just screw up mm-hmm. and probably one day i will be back probably i i don't know but i mean i just screw up i should i should have played there for my entire life full stop you just have to say that and everyone will love it will, will love you like Almost if if nothing happens, maybe not 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 like that, but a little bit more than today, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it it is. It's it's sad. His the whole article just feels like he's angry, which is like, all right, like you're one of the most talented human beings on planet Earth, and you just have yeah. this this anger about you. Um, it's sad. It, that's that is sad that you're gifted as one of the most talented people to ever really exist with his body type, with what he can do on the basketball court. I mean, he's one of the most talented basketball players ever and will go down. He should go down as like a top five most gifted, talented basketball player ever. And where you can't be, and you can't be happy. Like you can't enjoy what you're doing. I think it's sad. I think it's sad that he feels like he can't find a home and I don't know if he'll find it in Brooklyn or not, but the sad part, the saddest part is, is that he left what was home. He left, yeah. and he said it, Oklahoma City, home. He said it, not my words, his words. 
he left that and to pursue greener pastures and it's not always better it's not always better and you know you, you just you have to figure that out um so kevin needs to clean up his act and the best place to go for cleaning up your act is kp's cleaning service they're a uh, full wow, service great transition andrew <laughs> thank you thank you uh they're a, a full service cleaning company in oklahoma city if you live in oklahoma city or surrounding areas uh they're incredible they clean my house uh just this past week uh it's a unique cleaning experience I walk in my house and it's just like everything looks incredible. Uh, it smells great. My house, it's just, they do an incredible job. And they service uh, Oklahoma City metro and surrounding areas. They're a small local business. And right now you can get 10% off your first clean through the month of September if you contact them. So you can call or text them 405-290-8172 for a free quote. They're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search KP's Cleaning Service. Uh, they're wonderful, wonderful people, and they provide a wonderful service. So please contact them and support the people that support Down to Dunk. Uh, so I think the last thing, and this is something that has been up for debate. I don't think it's a debate. I don't think that this is something, uh, that I don't think this is how the conversation will go at all. But I, is Kevin Durant's jersey retirement. Like he's the dude's gonna get his jersey retired in Oklahoma City. I don't think it's really even a question. I don't think it's an argument. I think you can be mad at him right now for saying the stuff that he did. I think even the organization could be frustrated that he's saying those things, but the truth is he is one of the most he is the most talented. I believe that. And we love Russell. I think that we can be realistic about Russell too. And that Russell will be one of the most talented players to ever play the game as well. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a guy that did historic, incredible things. But still, when you have a healthy Kevin Durant on your team, you have a chance to win a title. And I don't think that's the case with Russell Westbrook right now. Um, and so, he's got to have his jersey retired. He's a part of the story of Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. He's a huge part of it. They don't make the finals without him. They don't make the Western Conference Finals year after year without him. It's a huge part of the story. Is he being a big, big dummy? Yep. Do you want to reward big dummies? Nope. Like, you don't. Like, I get it. Like, I totally get everybody's feelings on he's trashed us. He's thrown us under the bus. He's made us all feel bad. Like, I get it. You don't, you don't want to feel that way. But at the end of the day, it's about telling a story. Like, when you put things up in the rafters... It's not about we love and appreciate this person. It's part of that. But it's also like what's when you look up there, like what's the story of this franchise? And Nick Collison's a part of that story. I think Russell's a part of that story. I think Kevin's a part of that story. And I don't think that you can have him for your, with your franchise for eight years and not retire his jersey. And Royce has made this point many times. He made it on the Dream Team podcast, which was a great listen. I mean, really, if like you want the expert on Kevin Durant, it's still Royce Young. And so I'd encourage you to go listen to that. It was really good. Um, but, you know, I don't even know where I was going with, with that after I talked about. Um, but uh, Kevin, Kevin will have his jersey retired. There's just no doubt yeah. in my mind yeah. that, that Kevin will have his jersey retired in Oklahoma City. So, um It's about celebrating the greatness of the game, and, yeah. and he was the greatest. Uh, full he stop. Was. I mean, there's no question. I mean, you, you can you can love Russell as as much as you want, but on the court, the talent gap was like I would think substantial. But yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. It's just hard to say. Like that's a hard thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, like, you'd yeah, rather. Hard, I think it'd be easier if it was Russell. It'd be easier for the fan oh, yeah. base. It'd be easier for everybody oh, yeah, if sure. that was Russell. And, the, and the, also, the fact is, Russell would still be here if that were still the case, because the Thunder yeah. wouldn't have traded him. They wouldn't have traded yeah. him, even if Paul George left. If you had a player the caliber of a Kevin Durant, even if Paul George leaves, one Paul George isn't leaving. If he's that caliber of player, he's not. Um, but. That's that's just a fact, and it's there. It's not easy, an easy thing to swallow as a Thunder fan, uh, but the Thunder moving into a new era, 
And this year, you, it's it's still kind of difficult to think about this team and what they're going to be this year uh, because you don't know how long Gallinari will be here. You don't know how long Chris Paul will be here. Uh, it's it's a difficult team to kind of analyze because of that. But I think that they'll be a good and decently entertaining team to start the season. And then at some point in the next calendar year, which could be after the season, it could be the beginning of next season or the sum, in the summer, whenever it is, they're going to do a complete teardown. And it's going to be Shea's team and whoever their first-round pick for next year is or whoever they trade for or, you know, whatever it is, that's who they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it is exciting to be, to be part of this, I think, to be part of the restructuring of, um, of a franchise. And, I mean, there's, there's a ton of interesting stuff. And, again, uh, it, it's, it's easy to, to live in the past, I think, on certain things. Uh, and you should celebrate the things that were awesome in the past. You should also um, think that the future can hold as much uh, excitement uh, as you as you witnessed in the first part of Oklahoma City history. And by the way, I started to read Sam Anderson's book on, on OKC, and um, it's quite an interesting story. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, not much basketball up to now, but uh, a tons of interesting stuff about how OKC came together. Okay, um, OKC came together, uh, and so yeah, it's a fun read. Yeah, it, it's interesting, and the hardened trade stuff is. It's just funny. It just doesn't go away. The hard trade stuff just doesn't go away. I think all oh, those guys, never. It, all those guys, will have to retire, um, and maybe, and it probably still doesn't go away because it is one of the yeah. most important trades to ever happen. And it just sucks that the Thunder were on the wrong side of it. Uh, but Zach Lowe had his podcast, and part of it was the Thunder chose the wrong guy. Like they chose Russell Westbrook over James Harden. At the time, it was a no-brainer, and you have to realize that. But in hindsight, like if you could get in a time machine and travel back and have some influence over Sam Presti, would you have told him to trade Russell Westbrook instead of James Harden? No, absolutely not. I'm just saying to him, just, just don't, don't extend Ibaka. Just, just try to to trade Ibaka uh, if you can and play Nicholson because what you have in James Harden, KD. Uh, and, and Russell Westbrook is way more than what you can get from Ibaka. Mm-hmm. That's, but as, I mean, this is something that is never discussed enough. I think um, the reason why Ibaka was signed is clear. I mean, he was a shot blocker, a dynamic shot blocker that you probably need when you face um, a certain um, certain players uh, that Okis you had to face. Uh, and it was necessary, but if you if you really believe in James Harden, then you say, well, between KD and, and Nick Collison, I have enough, uh, but I, I can't get enough of players with such an amazing offensive talent as James Harden. Um, this bearing the, all the, I mean, whispers about James Harden wanted the max just to, I mean, to force OKC uh, to do something, uh, because again great franchises are built on sacrifice we, we said it many times uh, but you see Draymond Green signed under the market deal yep. Rudy Gobert signed for 5 million less than the max if Rudy Gobert does that with no no reason like James Harden had way more reasons to do that because he could have built he could have built uh, the franchise the most amazing franchise that OKC um, was like hoping to uh, to construct it was just saying yes to 55 million instead of 60. If again, if those five millions is what separates you from staying, then it means that there's something else, and no one, no one uh, will ever convince me that there was nothing else. But oh, those yeah, five yeah. millions, yeah, 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 that's definitely not it. It's, uh, it's just and, like and, no and question. It, that's not it. Uh, yeah, and if you don't take that into account, we say, well, you could have waited. Uh, like, what, what, what can go bad? You know what can go bad. Yeah. Like two years later, things went extremely south with a player that de- demanded the same thing that James Harden wanted, 
with way less talent. So if a player like Reggie Jackson can feel himself just enough to say, well, I want my team, and I freeze, like, and, and I basically say that, I'm, that I want to get traded, then why a guy like James Harden can do that in the same way mm. by January? I mean, uh, you cannot count that. Yes, it's, it's not clear-cut. It's not something that was reported or, or anything. I, I agree with that. But it's not like, well, they could have played out. I mean, yes, but if those five minutes are the only reason, like, th- there was two, the, the money gap was not enough to say, well, it's just that. And so there is something else, and that something else could have played in any direction. And um, I mean, yeah, of course. If 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 you don't sign Ibaka and you use you, you offer Harden sixty, then it's not even a question. You just max him and you you don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, but that's the easy answer. Trading Russell Westbrook, who knows? I mean, if you trade Russell Westbrook and he goes to the perfect team for him and he wins the title, the narrative is the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. That 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 thing that that thing is is completely pointless. Russ spent a good amount of his career playing for, uh, playing in a not optimized roster. Uh, and like, if two years ago you suggested someone, like not two years, maybe three years ago, you suggested to someone, well, you should have traded Russell Westbrook. I mean, you're out of your mind. Like James Harden had three amazing seasons, but you, you cannot forget that Russell Westbrook had probably five seasons, five amazing seasons in a winning, called you know in a winning team. Mm-hmm. Like James Harden had a 41 and 41 season. Russell Westbrook is yet to have, besides his first year, a season that is like below 45 wins. Yeah. No matter, no matter the context. Yeah. No, I mean it's true. It's true. And I think you're right. I mean, if if that's your argument, then you don't understand the context at the time. That couldn't have been a discussion. Because, I mean, coming off the finals, Russell Westbrook was awesome in the finals. And James Harden was almost a no-show in the finals. And so to say, like, they should have just gone with him instead of Russell, I just think that you just, you're not remembering things correctly. And maybe right yeah. now you'd definitely rather have James Harden than Russell Westbrook, but... When you rewrite, try to rewrite history like that, it doesn't mean that like a James Harden and Kevin Durant led team is going to be like a thousand times better. Like maybe they are, and maybe that's maybe that's the case. If you had James Harden and Serge Ibaka and Russell Westbrook, maybe you're a lot and Kevin Durant. I mean, maybe you're a lot better. But I don't think you're guaranteed that. And I think it's also just like forgetting and downplaying how good Russell was during that era, like how good he was. I think that people forget. Because whenever he went out, when Patrick Beverly took him out, man, like that team, like they got past the Rockets, but then they couldn't get past that Grizzlies team, and they still had Kevin Durant, yeah. Serge Ibaka, like that was still a really good team. Yeah, and to act like you know Russell was was not that good, and I, I think you see him now, and you see his kind of career trajectory that he's probably not going to be a great player for a super long time, and James Harden will probably be a better player longer into his career because he can shoot it. Yeah, I get it. Um, the truth is, like, the Thunder messed up. They messed up. There's no doubt about that. We don't have to re- I'm sorry that we're rehashing the Harden trade on this podcast, but I think that it's stuff that's come up, and, like, the only Thunder-related stuff, unfortunately, that's come up in the last week or so is the rehashing of James Harden trade and Kevin Durant saying stupid stuff, which is unfortunate for our podcast. But we will have more of the... We're going to do a Thunder preview-ish with Alex on Wednesday, and then we'll have our regular Friday pod where we'll probably preview some some more divisions and things like that, um, have a little bit more basketball content than was discussed last week. So, um, But yeah, so feel, just continue to tune in. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you've got some time. It's super easy. Go to your Purple Podcast app or really any app that you're using. If you are using the Apple Podcast app, that's a great way to, to help us out. We're getting closer to 1,000 uh, reviews there, which is uh, which is a great thing for us. It would be super helpful if we could get up over a 1,000. So if you've got time today and you listen to us all the time, uh, that would mean a lot to me if you could do that. Uh, if you listen on Podbean or any other podcast app, leave us a review there. I see those too. 
So um, go ahead and do that. Follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the second part of the Down to Dunk Monday podcast. Uh, we felt like we gave you just a short one and so uh, we wanted to give you a little bit more content and so that's why I asked for questions and as always you delivered because you you are you're amazing people and so um, let's get into this. Dakari Sanchez asks something about Lamelo Ball. Did you get a chance to see Lamelo Ball play on Saturday? I thought his folder game looked really good and he was smooth in transition, but he fouled it out in the fourth. I mean, I just glanced at the two of these uh, highlights that you can find on YouTube. And clearly, if you want to state that Lamelo is a gifted offensive player, then there's no questions. Uh, but I... I watch him as a player, like in a few actions where he passes the ball in the first part of the action or he receives that um, late in the clock for the entire time. is basically motionless. It doesn't really cut. It doesn't really move. And, and there are questions defensively. This, again, um, this is roughly what I can get from a few uh, minutes of him uh, playing in the, um, in the Australian League. But I... Um, I reserve to have uh, like to, to have a complete judgment. I need to to see way more. But uh, the offensive talent is there, Dakari for sure. Uh, Tuki Duke, um, ignoring the fact that one of of them seems to be a really weird dude off the court, strictly on the court. Dame or Kyrie? Oh, I have no doubts. Um, I love Dame uh, way more than than I do uh, Kyrie. I mean, if you if you love switchy handling and, and stuff like that, you cannot go wrong with Kyrie. But the shooting of them, I think it's way uh, more valuable in modern NBA. And so if I have to choose today, uh, I would go Dame. He has a little bit more defensive uh, utility, I think. Kyrie, um, yes, he played okay against Steph. Uh, well, maybe good against Steph and he hit that shot in the finals. But... I mean, when you are a weirdo of the court and that reflects on the court, uh, there is where I can see your value being diminished. Uh, Dame is a great leader and I value that off and on the court. Uh, a Maches, Mace Skywalker, A. Jackson, I uh, hope I... I pronounced that correctly. Um, in the last part, you talk about Tiford moving to the thir- to the three and expanding his game. Can you specifically talk about realistic expectation for him offensively? Stats, go to move, etc. Also, a third year player with his realistic player comp. Thanks. Um, hard question. Um, I don't like comps uh, very much. Um, I think that you can think of him as a. Danny Green with a little bit more of ball skills. Uh, this is, uh, I think, a good comp for him. I, I trust. I don't trust Danny Green to be able to put the ball on the floor and create something either for himself or for others. Um, and of course, I trust Danny Green shots more than, than I do Ferg. But back to Ferg, I think that he can be a really solid defender. Um, in other situations, maybe not a great transition defender as Danny Green was, but um, I think that he's a good one-on-one defender that can move through screens uh, very well and is long and athletic. Uh, I think that this year we will see him being more assertive with the ball. I think I, I think we will see him uh, attacking closeouts, uh, doing triple penetration when the defender goes and close out on him. Uh, I think that that is something that he can do and I also think that he can try to create out of those situations. This is the things that I want to see more from him. So when you are in a closeout situation, what can you do with the ball? Can you just shoot it? Can you just pass it out? Or can you beat your man with the dribble and then create either a shot from yourself at the rim with a pull-up or uh, moving the ball? Just not fancy passes, not like crazy stuff, but just the extra pass, the simple read. Uh, this is something I want to see. Um, the numbers will depend on the touches. I think that 
having him around five threes per game attempted is should be a minimum goal for OKC. You have to give Ferg three shots from three, uh, five shots from three a game, because he can shoot it. Uh, and so this is what I'm, I'm I expect for him. So something like uh, seven and a half, eight points, something like that. I have to to check the stats uh, that he had this season. Let me see. Uh, because maybe I'm um, I'm way too low and on him, and um, I should be a little bit more um, probably. Um, I should be I should trust him more. Uh, let's say to 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 play another uh, to play a bigger role. So last season he had six point nine points. Um, and 3.9 three-pointers. Yeah, I would expect the three-pointers to go in the north of uh, five attempts per game, and so maybe two points uh, in terms of increasing, like around nine points, um, nine and a half, as a as a, um, probably the ceiling for him next season. But maybe he explodes. Um, again, as a minimum bar to, to think uh, of... Of this season, uh, next season as a successful one is five trees per game plus I would say eight, eight north of, of eight points. Um, Josh Morrison, besides shooting trees, how else could Steve develop his offensive game? Do you think he can facilitate out of high post? Yes, yes, Josh, I, I do think that. Um, we we discussed it, I think, uh, in a few podcasts. Um, that Steven can do way more than what he, than what he did. Um, I think he can rediscover his vertical spacing because with a playmaker like Chris Paul that maneuvers the defense in such a way that you can get space, uh, him being able to be a constant lob threat is something that we will see way more next season. But surely, um, I do think that there is a, a legit chance uh, of Steven being able to play in the high post and try to to uh, with the space that OKC will provide, given uh, the amount of shooter that now we have, or at least potential shooter, uh, to create um, for others, uh, and maybe even out of the short roll, like you do um, um, a pick and roll, and then you have to to grab the ball, doing maybe one step or one dribble, and then move it to the corners. I think that, that being able to create on short rolls and from the eye post is something that Steven surely uh, can develop. Um, and it's, I think, easier to do it than the trees. Again, again, Ajaxon, um, OKC used to be pretty big on, on the court, except when Schroeder was out there. Now with CP3, SGA, and t they seem kind of slight. Uh, will they get bullied by bigger teams? Surely. Uh, but a guarded post-up situation is much better than an open tree. So when you have players that can switch uh, fairly easily, and Chris Paul is a bigger defender than his size uh, suggests, um, and you only allow post-ups, guarded post-up, where you can double and do stuff like that, um, even if you're bullied, I mean, you're bullied, but on low... Um, efficiency situations and so i think that it can be true but it's it's not um a big deal okay see blog boy asks two questions who is your favorite under the radar thunder player um for next season i mean i'm i'm high on fair i'm very high on Terrence ferguson uh and second question is the, is this in fact donovan's last year uh, if this is in fact Donovan's last year, where should the Thunder look at, at for next year's head coach? College, international? Uh, there's no right answer to that. I do think that you have to search in all those places. Uh, you have to look into assistant coaches. You have to look into international basketball. You have to, do, to look in college. Uh, you have to find the right person. International is tough. But if you have a young team, maybe you can find someone internationally that makes sense. Uh, I don't have a name in my head, so but, but, but I don't do this for a living. Um, college, there are many great coaches out there. Um, and so if you don't do due diligence on anything, on, on like on college, international and the league, you're not doing your job. Um, and even D-League. 
uh, the G League. I mean, there are coaches in the G League that are that are showing very interesting stuff. So also there. Nate Ostrowski, uh, should Ferguson start the season even if uh, Under looks good and healthy in, in preseason games? Yes. Um, I believe that being able to surround Steven Adams and Chris Paul with shooting is a very, very good idea. Uh, this is not um, something against Andrew Robertson, but you can use him as a situational defender, at, at least at the beginning. And so I'm, I'm, I'm on, I have the same idea. I mean, uh, I think that uh, a guy like him can be effective even off the bench. John Ross, is there any food you loved when you visited Oklahoma that you can get easily in Italy? Uh, John, I mean, I can describe you my my uh, lunch and, and dinner when I was there. Two times I had dinner at the arena and no, it wasn't wasn't something uh, that I truly loved. Uh, I think that I cooked one of the lunches and the other meal, the other two meals that I had were either snacks or burgers. So I, I didn't try like many things, but if you extend that to America, then on my way to um, to San Antonio, like after OKC, okay, I had to go to the Final Four for trying to meet a few people there uh, i tried uh, a barbecue in austin and that 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 is something that you cannot find here and, and in general very good meat uh, in the us is much better than uh, than the same in italy so that that i miss quite a lot um last few questions jd american what's your favorite sport related movie thunderstruck doesn't count um i mean this will probably make me sounds very old and stupid but chariots of fire is by far my favorite sport movie this is something this is a movie about track and field um is a 1981 uh movie about uh, olympics uh, directed by hugh hudson uh, i'm reading from wikipedia so don't, uh, it's it's of my memory uh it's about uh, the um, Olympics. Uh, it's a UK movie, and I mean, I, I love that. I, I'm in love with track and field um, up today, but it was mostly because I mean, it was the favorite movie that I used to watch with my father, and no basketball movie has ever um, replaces replaced that. Uh, John Paris, should there be a welcome party thrown for CP3 SGA similar to PGs? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, with Rask on, I do think that obviously will revert back to some degree to its own roots on being player-oriented, but not too uh, flashy. Last question, and again, thank you for taking time and... and and asking them, um, what is your percentage on Schroeder being traded this season? What's your ideal realistic scenario of such trade? Um, I do think that um, I lean towards him being traded um, because it's movable, more movable compared to CP3. And the best that you can get from for him is a useful player uh, of the same caliber on a shorter contract. Um, even maybe a higher uh, number for this season, but no guaranteed money for next season. This is where it, it becomes hard because there is no one who loves Schroeder enough, I think, to to trade 2021 space uh, for him. Uh, and so 2020, sorry, uh, space for him. So uh, I don't really know. Um Maybe so, because 2020 is not a great free agency and the real free agency is 2021. So maybe a trade uh, with the Knicks uh, could materialize. Uh, but something like that would be extremely uh, good for you see, if you if you if you have um, on your on your like on the phone and the New York Knicks saying like um, Memphis pick, second round pick and trade for Antilikina and Tash Gibson, you have to do it. Um, well, 
I'm not rooting for Chris Paul, uh, asks the question, so uh, uh, I'll just answer it briefly. Have you done much research on backdoor cuts to the basket? They seem to be to be the most effective shots for below average offensive player. Um, I don't, uh, but I think there is some kind of research somewhere. If I can pull it out, I'll um, I'll send it to you. Um, but you can you can see that cuts is really um, um, ineffective stuff. Um, this is the last, uh, I swear, they are keep coming, but I'll, I'll read uh, just this last one about Thunder Chats. Um, what do you think the chances of Buddy Hill coming to OKC? He is a knockdown shooter and improving tremendously each year. I think him and Shea could be a force together. He's old. So it doesn't match entirely Shea's timeline, but I, I would love to fit. Um, so I don't think the chances are high because I don't think OKC will offer, but it would be uh, a good addition. Uh, again, thank, thank you for sending your questions um, uh, with this uh, extremely short notice. And... I hope you enjoyed this uh, double episode uh, for your Monday podcast and we will talk next week.